people. That certainly set a wonderful tone for uh, this worship service. Well, good morning. It is great to be here at Gadsden First United Methodist Church. I am very pleased to have the opportunity to be with you at both services. There was some greeting and gathering in between the services, and it is so good to have an opportunity to interact with you and to worship with you today. I have a deep appreciation for your pastor, uh, Reverend Harvey Beck and his wife, Lana. They are wonderful people, as you know. You tell us that, <laughs> and so I'm just saying back to you what uh, you have said to your district superintendent, Robin Scott, and to me. Thank you so much um, to both of you for your presence here in uh, this church and, Harvey, for your leadership and your preaching and the way you serve. Thank you also to your district superintendent, Robin Scott. Robin and Luann are a wonderful presence in this district, and they certainly make a significant contribution to the Mountain Lakes District. Robin leads well. He has a strong uh, spiritual center, and he is creative. He adds so much, not just to the Mountain Lakes District, but uh, to the annual conference and to the general church as he is serving in some leadership roles in the general church. So, Robin and Luann, it is good to be with you as well. Let us pray together. God, thank you for this congregation of people gathered here to worship on this morning. Thank you for your love and your grace, which is beyond anything that we fully comprehend. And thank you for the difference that this church makes in its community and in this world. I pray that you will continue to lead every element of this service as we worship you, as we praise you, as we gain strength from you in this hour. These things we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You already heard a segment of the scripture passage, and so I will read the complete passage. It is from John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Then each of them went home while Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? They said this to test him so that they might bring some charge against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And I'm like you, Harvey. I wish I knew what Jesus wrote there. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way. And from now on, do not sin again. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was in high school, one of my friends invited me to accompany her on the piano when she sang a solo 
in a talent show. I was glad to do so. The song that she selected was, I'd like to teach the world to sing. Unfortunately, I started out in the intro in a wrong key. Now, thankfully, I was able to rectify the situation by the time we arrived at imperfect harmony. That was good, but it was a woeful introduction, I might add. It wasn't as bad, though, as what Ansel Adams experienced. Some of you who are photography buffs may know his name. He was a landscape photographer in the 1900s. He also was a very gifted pianist. He was at a dinner party one day, and he sat down, and he played a beautiful rendition of F major nocturne. Unfortunately, he had an experience similar to mine. This is how he described it. He said, in some strange way, my right hand started off in F sharp major while my left hand behaved well in F major. I could not bring them together. I went through the entire nocturne with the hands separated by half step. Now, those of you who are musicians can really just shudder at the image of that. Adams had a friend who was very candid. Do any of you have candid friends? I do, and I appreciate them sometimes. <laughs> this friend came up to him the next day and said, Well, yesterday evening, you did not miss one wrong note. <laughs> oh, that must have been some, some sound. Today, I'm talking about a different kind of song than the rendition that I started out with during my friend's talent show performance and Ansel Adams' difficult situation with F major nocturne. I'm, I'm talking about, about a song that, that doesn't, doesn't have, have the kind of dissonance that we're describing in these two pieces but that is the most harmonious, beautiful song that has ever been presented. I'm talking about God's song. God's song. And it involves us singing God's song in harmony. And when we do, what an amazing sound it produces. In fact, it's indescribable. There are four movements to it. Movement one is the lilting sound of God, the creator, who created the heavens and the earth and who creates every human being. God who loves us so very deeply. It's a warm and a beautiful sound. The movement two is dissonance. As we fail God, and the reality is we do fail God. On a regular basis, every one of us, however far along we are in our Christian walk, we mess up. Sometimes we do things that are wrong. Sometimes we have attitudes that are wrong. Sometimes there's a brokenness in us that God is still making whole. Thankfully, though, 
the song doesn't stop there. Movement three is the sound of that dissonance being harmonized in the person of Jesus Christ who forgives us for whatever sin we commit, for whatever hurt we do for other people. But it doesn't stop there. In some ways, the fourth movement is the most important movement of all. And it's a movement that really has so much transition in it. It's the movement that describes the transformation that God is doing in each of our lives. Because, you see, God doesn't just forgive us. That would be enough. But God also transforms us. God changes us so that we don't keep having the attitudes that we had before, so that the brokenness in our lives is healed, so that we act and we live in different ways once we've been forgiven. And sometimes that transition, that process, takes a lifetime. But it's part of God's song. And all four of these movements are songs within themselves, but if we eliminate any one of them, then the whole piece loses some of its power. It's only as the four movements are all heard together that we truly catch a glimpse of the power and the beauty of God's song as we sing it in harmony. Today's scripture passage describes those four movements beautifully. It starts with Jesus being a part of the human race. Jesus is fully God and fully human. He walked on this earth for 30 plus years. And in today's scripture passage, Jesus is the main character. Jesus shows incredible love for humanity. In this passage with a specific person in general by coming from heaven to earth to live among us. And then movement two involves this woman who had made a mistake. She and a man had been involved in an adulterous relationship. She had sinned. She had failed God. And then there's movement three. And in some ways, it's a surprise movement because Jesus' response to the situation when people brought this woman before him was not expected. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. So there's this amazing expression of forgiveness in which Jesus set this woman free from her past. And then there's movement four. In it, Jesus says, go and sin no more. Jesus was offering this woman not only forgiveness, but an indication that he knew 
by the power of God, as she was redeemed by him, that she could live a different life, that she could be different than she was before. And these four movements, they are our story. They are our song. You fill in the details in different ways. But each of those movements are a part of our life in an ongoing way. You hear the four movements. God's love, times when we fail God, when we mess up, when we make mistakes. God's forgiveness. And then God's transforming power at work in our lives. Now, who could compose a song like that? There's only one, the triune God, the God who created us and loves us with a love that will not let go, the Son, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and our Savior, the Holy Spirit who is at work in our lives 24-7, continually not only convicting and forgiving us, but also helping us to be different people, empowering us as we change. Not only, though, is God the composer, but God is also the lead singer. Now, that makes sense to us, doesn't it? God's the lead singer. It makes sense, but it's not necessarily how we want to live. We may say we do, but if you're like me, don't we like to be the ones in charge? Don't we like to call the shots? And yet, we're reminded throughout Scripture that God is the one who is the lead singer. I love a statement that was made by Leonard Bernstein. He was asked, what is the most difficult instrument to play? And he said, the second fiddle. I get plenty of first violinist, but to find someone who can play the second fiddle with enthusiasm, that's a problem. And if we have no second fiddle, then we have no harmony. Well, the truth is, we're called to play second fiddle in God's song. It's not about me, 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 or I, I, I. God's song is about God and God's love and the hope that God offers, God's grace, God's call upon our lives, God's power in this world, the goodness of our God, God's vision for this world and for who we can be and who we are to be. Our role is important, though. And as we live into it, as we live out our role, then God's song sounds even more beautiful. Jesus was once asked, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, love God. And love others. See, that's the framework for how we're to live our lives. And as we love God and as we love others, as, that, as those are the driving principles in how we live our lives, then we sing God's song in harmony. 
And it's really amazing. Everyone in this sanctuary today is called uh, to sing your unique kind of harmony. And as we do, then the song becomes increasingly beautiful. The scripture passage for today is from John chapter 8. And I did a, a quick run through of the diverse people who are highlighted in John's gospel leading up to that passage. And I did that uh, to remind myself of how diverse we are as a human race. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus. There are the people who were guests at the wedding. There was Nicodemus who was a wise religious leader. There was a Samaritan woman who had been married five times and was living with a man with whom she was, to whom she was not married at the time. There was a little boy who brought fishes and bread for Jesus to multiply. There was a ruler whose child was at death's door. Yes, there were a variety of people leading up to today's scripture passage as recorded in John's gospel. And that serves as a reminder to us about who's called to sing God's song. Because each of them do. As we read the scripture through those lenses, we see how each added to the beauty of God's song. It doesn't matter our age, our economic status, our social situation, our ethnicity, our background, or anything else. What matters is that we are people created by God and we are called to sing God's song in harmony and we do that as clergy, and we do that as laity. I was so inspired by a couple that I will call Fred and Mary. Fred and Mary actually grew up in the North Alabama Conference. They spent the first two or three decades of their life here. And then because of his job, they migrated to different places around the U.S., his job finally brought him back to North Alabama just a, two or three years ago. And upon their return, they visited the church that was their home church. However, it was much smaller than it had been during the first two decades of his life. At first, he was disappointed. And then they decided that instead of bemoaning the loss of what was, they would lean into building what will be. And so Fred joined the church, and he and Mary began to live out the membership vows that every member of a United Methodist Church takes of praying, of being present, of serving, of giving, and of witnessing. In fact, he has partnered with the pastor in 
expanding the vision of that church. The goal originally was that the 60 or so persons on Sunday morning would expand to about 100, and the choir, which consisted of three or four people, would grow to about 12, and that they would find some ways to reach into the community. Within six months' time, they now have almost 100 in average worship attendance as opposed to 60. And the choir has grown from three to 12. And they are considering purchasing a building close to them that will be used as a center for the community and particularly for reaching into the lives of millennials. Now, this couple, Fred and Mary, and the pastor and the church have played a significant role in all this happening. It's been partially possible because they, Mary and Fred, have partnered with their pastor and church in singing God's song. And that causes me to ask a question of myself. And that is, where is God calling me to step up and sing in harmony in a deeper way than I am now? And I pose that same question to you. How is God calling you to sing in harmony with God's song in a deeper way? And you see, there's always next steps for us. Again, however long we've been Christ followers, however old we are, God is constantly calling us to a next step in joining in this amazing song that God has composed. I'm confident that there are people here today whose hearts are being stirred to respond to a next step in God's song. And maybe it's at a very personal level. Maybe it's simply to accept the forgiveness that is there for you. Or maybe it is in relationship with somebody else, a friend or someone who you know you have the opportunity to invest in and help them come to know Christ in a deepened way. Or maybe it's to be involved in this church in a different way. And you're sensing that you need to talk to Harvey about a role that you can play to make this church even stronger than it is now. Or maybe it has to do with something at work or at school or in the community. God is calling each one of us to sing harmoniously in the song. I told you in the very beginning of this message how I had a really bad moment <laughs> with this talent show when I was playing I like to teach the world to sing in the wrong key. Now, thankfully, I recovered from that quickly. 
And my friend performed beautifully. In fact, she is someone who has the most beautiful, who has one of the most beautiful voices I have ever heard. But even as beautiful as her voice is, it doesn't come close to matching God's song. That's because God's song, sung in harmony, is amazing. It's beautiful. It's comforting. It's delightful. It's energetic. It's great. It's harmonious. It's never ending. It's omnipotent. It's powerful. It's righteous. It's saving. It's terrific. It's unbelievable. It's God's song. And to think, to think that you and I are invited to harmonize with God's song. And as we do so, it changes us and it changes the world in which we live. May it be so in your life and mine in increasing ways, singing God's song in harmony. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. God, we know that you call us daily to be more than we are. Sometimes we get comfortable with where we are. And yet you're a God who is constantly leading us into places where we have not been. We also acknowledge that you're the lead singer. And so we praise that you pray that you show us, each of us individually and also this church collectively, where you're calling us to join in harmony in new and deepened ways. In Jesus Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.